Sarab Yu did a talk today about the web. What did you talk about? I did. Uh, not uh, four hours ago. Oh, my um, goodness. I was, it was only four hours ago I did this talk. Um, so this was the Eleven Team Meetup, um, which is an online you know, online sort of meetup, and they get a couple of people to do sort of short talks. Um, and I did a sort of 10, 15-minute talk about sort of how my website works and the way I'm pulling in all the data and how I'm using that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, I, I think it went pretty well. Um, nice, I'm pretty yes. sure I, I'm pretty sure I talked too quick, but a few people have said it was fine. So I don't know. <laughs> we'll yeah. see when the video comes out. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the video will be out on YouTube. On what is the what is the site? It's Eleven D Meetup YouTube channel is basically what it's called, something like that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the uh, I will I will get the link in the show notes. I think it should be up and fairly people, soon. People who don't know what Eleven D is, you should remind them, Rob. Yeah, so it's a static site generator um so you at its basic level you throw some markdown files at it and Mm -hmm. it will make you a website um you know convert all of that to html and do all the headers and footers and all the stuff you need to do to make a website which is what i use for mine and where where do you host your files for your website uh i am now hosting them on hertzner is that how you say it? They're a, a hosting Oh, is provider. that the, the German company? Correct. Yeah, it's yes. them. Okay, yeah, because you were on DigitalOcean, maybe, I want to say, before? I was on DigitalOcean, and then, yeah, in beginning of last month, that was when, if you followed me on Mastodon, where I had all the drama where I got like, a uh, takedown yes. notice from Facebook and all of that, and <laughs> I threw my toys out the pram and just quit DigitalOcean. <laughs> Well, because look, you are an existential threat to Facebook. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg got up on a Saturday morning. I think it was on a weekend that this happened, wasn't it? I, I want to. I, I was going to say, Mark Zuckerberg got up on a Saturday morning. He was having a cup of coffee, and the hotline rang, and somebody said, "Hey, this Rob guy, he's messing with Facebook. He's he's messing with all of Meta. We need we we need we need to take this guy down." This guy in his static website. <laughs> Somebody delete his text files right now. Yeah, no, exactly. I remember that. That was, and it was not ha- handled very well by the support people at DigitalOcean. Although I think DigitalOcean, I will say that I, I think that they have a lot of good services and a lot of uh, breadth of offerings and fairly competitive prices compared. I, I think all of the companies that do this sort of stuff. I, well, I shouldn't say all. Many of the companies that do this sort of stuff, at some point, will annoy you to no end. Oh, yeah. We've been there with Linode at Mac Stories. Linode was fantastic for a long time until they got bought by a big company. And now now they've like raised their prices incredibly high and they don't offer as much as we need. So I don't yeah. know. And I, I feel like this was almost my, uh, you know, I'm never flying on that airline again type moment. It's like, yeah, I sometimes know, I you don't it. have a choice. Like no. it, in this instance, I was able to move stuff like it was a bit of work, but whatever. Um, but, you know, I was in a bit of a mood. So <laughs> and you're still on one of the I think one of the more well regarded and bigger services out there. I mean, I know from looking at this myself that that's one of the top three to five companies that usually come up when people mention this kind of hosting provider type stuff so well there, there was a there was an interesting article uh, going around probably about a month ago now called mm-hmm. i think it was titled where is all the fediverse um and 
Oh, know, somebody yeah, had sort that. of somebody had sort of checked what servers all the instances were on and stuff like that. Um, and Hertzner came up. I think it was about fifty percent um, of instances were hosted there. Um, That's interesting. Do they have like a special offering for Mastodon servers? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's just the fact that they have. You know, their pricing is pretty similar to DigitalOcean. I think they have a few more offerings that you can do with their servers. But mm-hmm. generally, you know, I'm, I'm still paying about ten dollars a month, something like that. You know, I, I can't remember. I can't work out yeah, exactly so it what makes I'm paying, sense. but it's something like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Boy, how about the um, how about the spam problem on? Mastodon the last week or so it's like you oh, and I yeah. neither neither one of us has been affected by it I don't think I mean I mm-hmm. haven't but I know Federico has and a lot I've seen a lot of developers on Mastodon mention it it, it seems to be fairly widespread and it seems to be that some spammers are targeting relatively small servers that don't require any kind of pre-authorization to join their server as a way to then federate their spam basically yeah i mean and they were literally posting pictures of spam the food yeah i know uh, (laughs) most of it seemed to be chinese uh and pictures of spam from what i could tell and yeah it seems like there's some structural issues with with mastodon and i know they're trying to address it i mean and this feels like this feels like one of those moments. I did see a lot of people on on Mastodon saying this is a good thing because this this proves the popularity of Mastodon. And I gotta say, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> it, maybe it does prove the popularity, but I don't think you can then j- leap to and and it's a good thing. I think this is like a bit of an existential threat in the sense that if and they seem to be te- they seem to be targeting mostly accounts with large numbers of followers. Yes. From what I can tell. And if that's the case, if you annoy enough people with large followings and they drop off Mastodon, it's just going to it's just going to dampen the spread of of Mastodon. I mean, I know that a big part of Mastodon is people shouldn't care about how many followers they have. And, you know, there's a lot of philosophical issues with this. But the reality of spreading a social network is that you are going to have some accounts that have a greater reach than others. And if those lose, if those leave, it does damage the network overall, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and this is one of those things like, you know, as much as Mastodon's been around for however long, five, six years or something. Right. Right. Um, I think we're still in that stage where, you know, you've got people running instances with, a few hundred people or maybe a thousand or something which is relatively small and they've not actually had to deal with a lot of this spam right. sign up right. stuff before and I, I don't run an instance I don't know what admin tools are available to stop a lot of this um, there certainly isn't a lot of tools from what Adam was saying to stop the spam coming in you know the, the instance I'm on doesn't you can't just sign up because it's a paid instance Um but there were certainly wasn't enough tools to stop the spam from coming to the users of the instance. So right, and and that yeah that that is really the biggest problem, right? I mean, it's the fact that because anybody can stand up a server, if they don't put the protections in place against the spam, then that affects everybody else on whatever server that happens to be out there. And I'm not suggesting like that anybody 
I've talked to is planning to leave or anything because I think, you know, we're very happy, like all the Mac Stories crew is very happy being on Mastodon. But it does feel like one of those things where people just weren't pre- entirely prepared for this because what's happened is essentially someone's come up with a, a way to automate joining a lot of smaller servers very quickly and federating their their spam mm-hmm. out to various accounts. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not, you know, I, I feel for people running instances. I mean, Adam, who runs social.lol that I'm on, um, you know, I feel for him this week because he's been working really hard to, you know, try oh, and stop the spam coming into people and stuff. I bet. There are a lot of shared lists of, of things that can be blocked. The problem with, you know, the problem with blocking, though, is that you may be blocking servers that are are victims in their own right, in the sense that they, they had these accounts at, added to their server, and you might not want to block them otherwise. It's just that they happen to be generating spam because they had some people join who are who are creating spam oh definitely i mean adam said exactly this in the discord um you know he was going through the the instances to block them and stuff and he hit one instance that in theory should have been blocked and there was like i think he said it was about 60 users that sort of you know followed into our instance and back out again yeah so as you say you're then affecting genuine you know, follows and people who want to interact with another instance. And if you block that instance, well, that's kind of, you know, they're, they're gone. Um, right, right. Because then just... you're, right, then you're impacting like the, the, the utility of your own server, essentially, to your users. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's a hard problem. Uh, it's not, a, I, I certainly wouldn't want to be an, inst- an admin instance this week. No, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. <laughs> Well, at least I don't have to deal with that. We let Alex deal with that. So yeah, uh, thanks, Alex. <laughs> Federico's <laughs> been bothering him as he gets these, you know, dozens of spam messages that that are in Chinese and have pictures of cans of spam. But uh, Rob, I wanted to mention to you that I am going all in on plain text. Not that I wasn't already all in on plain text. I was always all in on plain text for my writing, but. But I have been digging back into e-ink readers. You know, I have a I have a books tab ultra, which is like a 10 inch, almost 10 inch diagonal iPad style tablet that works with e-ink and it's Android. This is my introduction. I basically have been learning Android in hard Android in hard mode by doing it in e-ink. Where, where most apps are not designed for e-ink. And it makes sometimes finding buttons just a matter of stabbing at blank spaces in the UI, hoping that there's a button there because you can't always see the buttons. But what I've been doing is creating a system, a relator system that is based on a bookmarklet from the CEO of Obsidian that allows me to clip articles from the web without all the ads and all their cruft into Markdown, save it to Obsidian. And then if I want to read it in Obsidian, I have another plugin that allows me to read that in kind of their preview reader mode, which, you know, gets rid of all the uh, the Markdown syntax and makes it look like a web page. Or I can go into my tab ultra and I can open the moon plus reader app, which is a really nice ebook reader for Android. 
And the nice thing about this ebook reader is it doesn't just work with like EPUBs, it works with Markdown files. So I can point it at a folder of Markdown files that I've saved from the web using my bookmarklet. And I can read it just like any other article in a, uh, you know, in an, in an ebook app. So it's very much like the experience of reading articles in Kindle without having to deal with the email forwarding and all the other stuff that the hoops that Kindle makes you jump through. And by default, it does not download the images, but I can tap and get the images. And I've set up my own template where it's got title at the top, author, source URL, date published, a horizontal rule, and then the body contents. And I really, I really love it. I mean, it's, it's a really nice way to save articles. And what's nice about it is that I can use it both for reading, just for like, you know, I'm taking it easy and I'm reading a bunch of tech articles that I've saved for later in the day. Or I can drop then drop into Obsidian copy the text out and make it like a link post if I want to write something about it for Mac stories, for instance. So it's been, it's really, it's part of a system where I've been pulling more and more into Obsidian, making more and more of my life uh, just plain text. And I even last night, I, I revisited a plugin that I haven't used in a long time, which was called, I think it's just called RSS Reader, which literally mm-hmm. will let you put RSS inside of Obsidian. Oh my. Yeah. And what's interesting about it is that it, it occupies the right sidebar. And when you click on an article, it opens in a pop-up window and it looks, you know, it's, I mean, it's not the nicest design ever, but it's a pretty good design, but it gives you a toolbar at the top where you can do things like copy it into a note, which then just drops a markdown version of it into your notes in Obsidian. And so what I have done, that's, I haven't like imported all of my OPML, um, you know, all my feeds using OPML into Obsidian. What I did instead was because I use Feedbin for RSS, I have there and Feedbin supports a separate special RSS feed for your particular starred articles. I can read through in reader by Silvio Rizzi the all of my articles that are synced with Feedbin, star what I want to read later. Then I have that feed of those starred items, which syncs over to Feedbin, set to pull into Obsidian. And then later in the day, I can just go through and I can go through the list of, uh, of articles and decide what to read and what to save and do all that all within Obsidian. That, that's amazing. Um, I, 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 I think when I started using Obsidian, I, I can't remember who gave me this advice. They were like, "Like, try and use as few plugins as possible." <laughs> yeah. Um, if only because otherwise you can, you know, you can make it too complicated for yourself and you're overwhelmed you and you're like, "Oh, I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to use it." And then you tell me you're doing this with RSS and the read later and all of that kind of stuff. I thought, oh, maybe I should go and have a look at some of this because. <laughs> It, it, I have only just switched Read Later app um, because I finally found one that I think does what I want. I'm mostly happy with it. Uh-huh. Um, so I switched to, right, is it Raindrop? I have to oh, check yeah. now. Raindrop.io, a very, mm-hmm. very good service. I use it too. Yeah. Um, I feel like the problem I've always had with Read Later apps, you know, Pocket, Instapaper, um, Omnivore, 
as a bunch of them is all of them want you to read the articles in their you know yes. their read later format you know they yep. want to strip all the stuff and they just want to show you text there's some of the most siloed apps available i which is i've been talking about this forever which is they make it really easy to get things in very hard to get them out yeah and and the thing is the way i mostly use a i think read later for me is not that's not really what i'm doing what i'm doing is saving links that i just want to check out like it doesn't necessarily mean i'm going to read the whole article right you know right. i might i might save it because there's a link in there that i want to you know just send to somebody or oh there's a bit of software i want to download so a lot of the time these things i'm saving for quote unquote read later are just just let me save the links so that i lot- can quickly click them and i can just go check out what they are and yeah. the problem I was having in a lot of these, especially Omnivore, was was a problem. Is if it couldn't read the link properly, it would just error, and I couldn't get the yeah. original URL. Um, whereas with Raindrop, like their their Mac app is great. Like you you click it, it opens it a nice little window on the side, and then I can open it to the web if I need to, um, or I can just delete it straight from there. Right. Um, so yeah, I've been really happy with Raindrop. Yeah, it's very good. And you're kind of like describing the overlap between read later and bookmarking services, which there's a lot. I mean, like good links on good links on the iPad and iPhone and Mac is more of a bookmarking service, but it also has read later aspects to it. Raindrop is a lot like that, too. I mean, you know, traditional bookmarking apps were things like Pinboard and Delicious and all of those things. And now we're in a world where it's like kind of things are trying to be both or or tend towards just the reading part. And so what I've been doing, I use Raindrop, but I mostly, and I've used it for a combination of things over time. But these days I'm mostly doing it for those things that you described as like, oh, here's an app I might want to try. Or here's a web service that looks interesting and I want to check it out later. You know, basically things that are true bookmarks that are not for not for reading, and then I drop every all the other reading stuff somewhere else. Yeah, so, so what I, what I tend to be doing because I do save articles to Raindrop as well. You know, mm-hmm. there are articles and I will read them and stuff like that. Um, but Raindrop is sort of this triage service. So either you know it might be an article I read, so I'll read it and maybe I'll link it somewhere, um, or if it's an interesting bit of software, I'll either try it or I will add it to my links that i have on my on my server i, I set uh. up an install of uh link ace which is an uh, an open source sort of bookmarking game service that i've installed there uh-huh. um so i can send links there um if you know if i find them interesting because i feel like the trouble is if i if i was immediately saving everything to raindrop for example and i said right that's my bookmarks it would just be filled up with stuff that i don't need Right, right. So I'm using it more as this sort of this middle area before it gets sent somewhere, you know, wherever that happens to be. Yeah, it ends up being like an in, a big inbox for you, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I think that's a really good use of something like Raindrop, and I've been I've been using it that way to varying degrees for a while. But for me, it ends up being like the kind of software web service stuff I want to check out later, or maybe it's a product I might want to consider buying, or a place I want to travel to, a restaurant I want to try, all those kind of things, which 
which then I use the tagging to try to organize that a little bit so it's easier to find things. One thing that I don't know if you discovered this about Raindrop, but they they also have custom RSS feeds of your various collections. So you could pipe that RSS feed into your website or somewhere else, you know, whether it's another read later service, another RSS reader, whatever you want to do and use that as like a front end for raindrop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a very good point. Um, I, I literally just made a note of that as you said that to, to look into what I can do. Yeah, with it's pretty cool. Uh, they have a, they have a, they have a good API too. I mean, I haven't really played with the API so much, but I mean, the thing I, raindrop is one of those services that is, I always struggle with because on the one hand, it's super flexible, really powerful. It has the benefit of being cross-platform and web-based, yet like it doesn't, because it's web-based on the Mac, there's not, I think that you can't share with the share sheet or maybe that's been added since, I don't Mm -hmm. know. But you know, there's certain like native features. Yeah, I don't think you can, you can like take a page from Safari, for instance, and use the share button and, and drop it into into a raindrop directly. But there are little things like that that kind of get in the way if you're like deep into Apple ecosystems or whatever. But but overall, I've, I've been finding things like raindrop to be more and more useful the more I use them. So I don't know. I'm a big fan of raindrop. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been good. Um, I, I mean, I think I've helped myself because as you probably would have seen, I've, I now have a link blog on my site for yep. interesting articles I find. And I think that was the piece I might have been missing because I didn't, yeah. I could find an interesting article, but I didn't really, I could have just posted out a master, but I like being able to have like an archive of those. Um, and, and now I've right, added that, right. it, it feels like I can find something and go, right, I've actually got somewhere to put this and I can share it with people. Um, because it's all well and good saving it for myself, but that's not very interesting. <laughs> Other people don't get to see it. Right, right. No, I mean, I, I totally understand that. And that's something like we've been trying to do more on Mac Stories too, is linking a lot more. Because I don't, it's like the, the, the forgotten art of linking to other people's stuff. And mm-hmm. this is something you and I talk about every now and then, is that one thing that drives me bananas is when people write stuff and don't link to the people that they mention in it. And it's like, I don't know. It's so easy. I There's so many times when I do stuff with Mac Stories where it's like, well, I'm not just going to link this person's app. I'm going to link their their profile on Mastodon and maybe their personal website because, you know, I mean, I don't know. It feels like the right thing to do when you're when you're writing about someone's thing is to make sure that people can explore to the greatest degree possible all of their work. Oh, absolutely. And, it, and essentially it costs you nothing to do that, you know. I, I, right, exactly. I certainly I certainly try and do the same thing, you know, as you say, you if I link, you know, I'll link to a post they've done, but then it'll be their profiles or their website or, you know, whatever link tree they have or OMG to LOL. Right. Like, just link somebody somewhere else because they can go explore and, you know, maybe they find something else interesting. It's, yeah. But, the, yeah, as you say, I think it's a, a forgotten art of some of some sort that, you know, we yeah, can just I, link to things and say, this is cool, go and look at this thing. I think that a lot of this is all tied to the decline of Twitter. And I think it's a, this is like the, the silver lining once again of the decline of Twitter is that people are realizing that 
there's a good way to surprise to to share cool things that doesn't involve social media, whether it's Twitter or Threads or even Mastodon. You know, it doesn't matter. You should control your stuff. And I think it's nice that people are starting to do that more on their own websites and, and then using social media as a way to point people to what they're doing on their own thing. Yeah, definitely. All right, Rob. Well, good conversation as always. Yeah. Always, always nice to talk to you. All and, right. Uh, well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We call that a fortnight here in the in America. <laughs> you know what we need to do between now and the next time we talk? Mm-hmm. We need to eat some ridiculous chips. Yes. Crisps, chips, whatever you want to call them. You ate some potato-shaped things with smiley faces on them, and I saw somebody on the internet, I think it was Joe, I think it was Joe Steele, say, what is this thing? I was like, Joe, come on. Anybody, I mean, Joe doesn't have small children, I don't think, so. Yeah, I don't believe he does. So I'm going to give Joe a pass, but I knew exactly what that was that you were eating. Mm -hmm. Yep, I, I had... I had a steak ready for eating for lunch today. <laughs> and then I realized that I didn't have any chips or uh, or just potatoes. You know, I didn't even have any potatoes just to bake some, you know, boiled potatoes with it. So I checked the freezer and we had some potato smileys. So that's what I had with my <laughs> nice bit of steak. Basically French fries in the shape of an emoji. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's just emoji <laughs> fries. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you've done your you've done a good job by eating those for this week's episode. I I've got to go find some more some more stuff. You know those potato chips that I said before that I tried that I was mm-hmm. going to have Jennifer take to her job. She she refused. She wouldn't even take them. Oh wow. Yeah, she said the people there wouldn't even eat them. So I I really I guess I really topped it off with that one. So I don't know. All right. Well, next next bag I'm going to have to realize I'm going to have to eat the whole thing myself. I won't have any help from anybody in any office anywhere. <laughs> poor, poor John. I can, I can mail them to the UK and give them to you. Oh, the, the good heavens. I'm not, I'm not sure how well they survive. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob. Well, I will talk to you soon. All right. Speak to you later.